Welcome to a Frugal Athlete Podcast, where we interview athletes, both current and former, on the prudent financial practices and smart career decisions they are making. In these episodes, we dive into what it means to be a frugal athlete. You might think that frugal just means being cheap, but as you will soon learn, being frugal is more complex than that. I'm your host, Amobi Okugo. In this episode, we have Lauren Walsh, founder of LW Branding. Lauren has 10 years of experience in the world of sports and brand strategy. She has worked with a wide array of NFL, NBA, and MLB clients. We have tried to get Lauren on the podcast for the longest. I'm very excited for you all to hear this episode. We finally got her on, and it was worth the wait. Lauren is amazing not only because of the star-studded clientele, but because she's built her company with a strong foundation, placing a large focus on values, faith, and positivity. I'm excited for you guys to learn all about her journey, how she got started. There's one story that she talks about. It's crazy. It could probably be like in a movie or something. Uh, but with that being said, make sure you check out the episode. Hey, how you doing, Lauren? Thank you so much for joining the podcast. We've been trying and trying and trying, but we finally got you here. Uh, busy lady, you're doing amazing things. Uh, so just tell us about yourself. Yes, thank you. Thanks again for having me. I'm so happy we finally made this work. So I got started in sports back 10 years ago. I was a college cheerleader at Purdue. And shortly after graduating, spent some time working for the football team. And that was when I realized my true passion to help athletes. I started having some conversations with individuals and realized that they didn't really have a backup plan. It was kind of like NFL or bust. And so I'm like, even if you make it to the NFL, what happens after? So that started this whole dream, you know, somewhere in between. I did spend five years in corporate America gained a ton of experience there. And then it was five and a half years ago now, actually, that I decided to go off and start my own agency, which now is a boutique branding and marketing that represents professionals, which include mostly professional athletes. And what we really do is help our clients increase their exposure as much as possible so that we can then help them turn that into additional sources of revenue. And in addition to that, I have other hats. I also have a two-year-old, so I wear, you know, the mompreneur hat, as I like to call it. And then I love doing my own podcast and, you know, interacting with people on social media as well. Oh, that's amazing. We're definitely going to have your podcast in the show notes. Um, but I, what I liked about what you said is that, you know, you got some corporate experience. You asked the athletes, like, what they're going to do after, because that's not a question that people you know, ask, you know, it's like, all right, what team do you think you're going to play for? Like, right. are you going in the first round, second round? Like you asked them, like, what you're going to do after. So for the, you know, for the people that are interested in getting in the sports business space, what advice would you have for them? Because, you know, you got your experience, then you did corporate and then you're like, I'm going out on my own. Yeah, my biggest advice is to get into it for the right reason. So for me, it really went to that time with the athletes when I realized a true niche. And and this was, I mean, this was 10 years ago. So this was before branding was even a thing that I was asking these questions. But for me, I think that was how I really got my foot in was that I knew what I wanted to do because you can't get in because you want to work in sports because you think it's cool. So step one is understand why you want to do it and understand what value you have that you can add to the industry and add to the athletes that maybe other people don't have because I think that becomes your X factor. You have to remember there's always going to be hundreds if not thousands of agents, player reps, managers, branding and marketing people, but you are the only person who does it the way that you do it. 
So focus on how you are going to be unique and do it your way and then stick to that. Oh, that's so important. You know, be valuable, find value, um, be a value add. And, um, you know, one of your mantras is find solutions, not problems. Uh, can you talk about that in the sense of value? There's one, you know, one, one thing you did when Popeyes was really popular, you had like a, a campaign with one of your athletes. And I was like, you know, how come no one else thought of this? This is like, everyone's talking about Popeyes and there's, I, I think there was only like two athletes and they're your athletes that did like a Popeyes campaign. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they kicked it off in Chicago. Yeah. So they started, so we were able to do that with Tim Anderson, which was amazing and it was perfect. I'll, I'll, I'll go back to it. It was perfect. Cause it was super authentic, but to answer, um, to go ahead and answer your first question, find solutions, not problems has been my thing forever. As far as I can remember, because what I've learned about this industry and please take this if you're trying to get in or you just started, more things will go wrong than go right. And so I started realizing that early on and I was, I get so frustrated. I'd be like, what do you mean? Like, like little things, like, what do you mean the suit's not gonna show up on time? What do you mean that the athlete is running late or that someone canceled this? And I started to realize that it was actually gonna really help me if I could be someone who just like rolled with the punches. So I just, told myself and started to instill this attitude. And I'm like, this is going to be it. My interns and some of my employees along the way think I'm nuts because things will pop up and I'll be like, okay, let's do it. And they're like, Lauren, you realize what I just told you. Like the athlete just had a career ending injury and therefore can't do the event. And therefore the brand, you know, and it's like, it leads to all these things. And I'm like, back up. Like we can save this. And I think a part of it is too, when I first got started, like year one, year two, I feel like I dealt with the craziest situations with athletes and just so many different things that helped me kind of build up that thick skin and that resiliency, but it's been a huge game changer. And so if you can adopt the find solutions, not problems, I promise you, your clients will be impressed. The people that you work with will be impressed because even the brands, when things go wrong, I don't call them and say, oh my gosh, we have this issue. It's like, hey, here's what happened, but I already have three other solutions, so tell me what works best for you. Like that, that's a value add. Because if you can show up and present, yes, here's the problem, but then also present, here are the ways that we are going to fix it, instead of being one of those people who freaks out, it'll set you apart. And you know, to play into what you mentioned with Popeyes, one of the best parts about it being authentic was the fact that Tim Anderson's wife and him, but his wife too was so excited. She's like, I love Popeyes. You know, she's <laughs> always loved them. And so when we found out Popeyes was kicking it off, because the chicken sandwich only got released in certain cities, it was a test. It was actually a oh. test model. So Chicago was one of the cities that they chose to test to see how it went. Obviously it went well because it started selling out across the country. But so we were able to get on board early and get that campaign rolling before it even became the whole thing that, that it is now. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, in light of, in light of like what's going on and, you know, we want to be uh, respectful to you know, everyone that's been affected COVID-19. Um, you, you talk about this mantra. Um, can you like dive into some of the things that you're doing for athletes right now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, um, 
right now there's there's so much going on and for me it hits home because my dad's a lieutenant with the chicago fire department and my sister is a nurse um and so you know i have two first responders in my in my family that um, i'm so grateful for but it makes me i just have an even deeper heart for all these first responders and doctors and nurses who have to show up every single day and also the people at the grocery stores so shout out to all these people who are just who are keeping our lives going but it's continued you know for me it's been how do we use our platforms for good? You know, the reality is that these athletes, you have to realize whether you like it or not, you have a platform. As soon as you become a pro athlete, you have the opportunity to impact so many people. And so with my clients, what we've started to do, and we're, we're in the mix of it now, we're negotiating some really cool contracts and campaigns is we're figuring out how to leverage their platforms to give back, but I'm incorporating it with what they already like to do. So we have something on the books right now with one of my NFL clients. We're actually putting together, it's going to be a streaming, um, a streaming competition. So the client is going to play Fortnite, which is his favorite game, against tons of fans. So fans will get a chance to pay to enter to play against him. We'll have a whole bracket and everything. And then the proceeds will go to actually one of the foundations that he has been super involved in since the day that he got drafted. So I think it's important to figure out how do we keep life going? Because the other thing is we need the athletes and the influencers and the people that we look to, to help us feel a sense of normalcy, you know, because there's so much fear and unknown right now. So we need to be able to lend some, just some normalcy to people as we find, you know, what becomes our new normal and let people know, like, look, we're still here and here's what we're doing to get by and sports is going to come back. And so incorporating something like video gaming, which was what a lot of people right now are turning to because they're spending more time at home and showing, look, you can use something like this that we're using to pass the time to raise a heck of a ton of money for some organizations that are actually gonna rely on those dollars to keep their doors open. So I think it's about getting innovative, but also lean into the areas where you already have some interest because it'll make it that much more fun for you to grow it as much as you can. No, I, I, thank you so much for saying that. I think what's really important is that, you know, you're staying authentic while providing impact. And then, you know, you and your clients have, really proven that testament. Another thing that I wanted to point out is that once you're a professional athlete, obviously the WNBA draft was uh, recent and NFL draft is a little bit later today, uh, you have a platform. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about some of the do's and don'ts for a personal brand, for a platform, for athletes? Yeah, absolutely. The number one thing that's important to know that I think a lot of people have misconceptions about is that you don't build a brand, okay? So that's not what personal branding is. You are your brand. So what's number one, as you get into all of this, take the time to understand who you are. If you can, do it before you get drafted, do it before the check hits the bank account, do it before more people know your name, because then it starts to become just a little bit jumbled when there's all these things getting thrown in the mix. But what you can do is take the time, literally write down what is your mission in life? What are your core values? What is your why? I mean, literally, why do you get up in the morning and understand what those things are? What has gotten you to where you are today? That is your brand, literally who you are. Now that is what you bring to life. So the biggest do is to take all those things and then figure out how do I bring them to life in a way that's going to increase my exposure in an authentic way. Post about the things that you're into. If you're a huge family guy and you're okay with putting your family out there, 
go ahead and put it out there. If you're a WNBA player that just got drafted who's super into skincare, put that out there. You know, whatever your thing is that makes up who you are, share it with the world so that they can figure out who you are. Like humanization is going to be the key. What you don't want to do is all of a sudden you have a platform and now you become a walking billboard. So, (laughs) you know, you see it a lot with these people who have um, a lot of times, you know, you hire, they hire a marketing person who's only working for commission. So these people are fighting to bring in any deal, any which way, and they don't really understand what it could do to their personal brand. So they say yes to everything thinking, Oh my gosh, like the more deals that I have, the more people will, will want to work with me. So you see like their Instagram just becomes one big commercial or billboard. And it's like every other post is has hashtag ad on it or they're promoting yeah. a product. So and so, annoying. yes, just be careful. I'm, I, you need to do deals. Absolutely. I mean, my, my biggest focus for my clients is monetization. I try to focus on how to help them create extra streams of revenue. And a lot of it comes through marketing and endorsement. However, be strategic. Don't say yes to every single thing just because there's a dollar sign attached to it. Be strategic in terms of what aligns with you and do your research. Make sure you take a look into the company, into the CEO, into some things, because you also need to realize that when you partner with someone, you're extending your brand not just your name and likeness that it says in the contract, you're extending your full brand to these people and you're now associated with them. So do understand what your brand is and who you are and don't, don't just take on any deal. Just try to be as strategic as you can, especially in the beginning. No, that's important. Um, especially uh, one thing you pointed out was athletes making sure they do a brand audit before they get started because there's been plenty of times, I'm sure you've helped a couple athletes get out of trouble um, simply because of an old tweet or some pictures or something that didn't fit with their brand that they wanted to get out. So make sure you get that in, uh, in control. And then the association with your name, like putting your name behind something, uh, you can get in trouble and you had no idea because you know the CEO did something wrong um, or because the company is like supporting something that doesn't align with your vision or has kind of uh, caused some controversy. So. Thank you so much for that advice. It's, uh, it's important for athletes to heed note. And not only athletes, but managers that, you know, yeah. represent these athletes. Yeah, so you mentioned a really good point, though. I'll, I'll just touch on is the social media piece. Um, it's, it's huge. It's super important. It's still happening. If you are someone who is getting ready to get drafted, or if you are already there and you <laughs> haven't done it before, do a social media audit. And I mean, going back through every single post that you've ever put up since you started an account, please be careful. If you are worried that you have so much, it's going to take too much time. Some people will just go delete their account. If you delete an account without deactivating it, you can still find some of those old posts. So if you're going to take that route, make sure you completely deactivate so that it literally removes your account and then delete it. But if you want to keep the same account that you have, take the time, literally go through years ago. I I was getting clients off of this actually, because it takes, I mean, for most draftees, it would take me anywhere from six to eight hours because I literally would go, have to go into their account and then manually go through. But it's so important because you see so many people. We saw it a lot in the MLB, you know, a few years ago, or not a few years ago, just, you know, a year or two ago. Um, And we see it still happen. I mean, Laramie Tunsil always comes to mind when I think about the NFL draft. But so like do as much as you can. And even if you're already there, 
go ahead and do it. I promise it's worth it to go back through. And also, um, it's the retweets too. It's not just the things that you've put out there. If you've retweeted something and you don't maybe associate with that person or what they've said today, just get rid of it. No, that's, that's, thank you so much um, for saying that. Retweets, likes, uh, old, old pictures, whatever, get rid of that. Like you said, and, um, De the deactivate lesson in there. That's a gem. I had no idea about yes. that. So thank you for sharing that. That's why you always need a manager uh, on your team. Um, and speaking of managers and agents and where you see this going, like where, what's your viewpoint on it? And where do you see it going like down the road? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping that people continue to see the value. You know, it's very, very important to surround yourself with the right types of people. I know sometimes there's always the question around, Will players continue to have agents? Will they represent themselves? You know, some people like to take that model where they find their best friend from kindergarten and that person becomes their manager. Um, I really, really hope, and I always use this example, Rich Paul is the perfect example if you want to follow what you should do, specifically on the agency side. If you are just getting started and you do have access to huge athletes, or if you're an athlete who has someone that you trust, but isn't quite where they need to be from the business sense, take the Rich Paul model. I mean, this guy studied under the best of the best, learned what he needed to learn, gained his credibility, gained all the contacts in the industry, and then executed. And so it took a, a good amount of time, but where he is now and the way that his company is growing is insane. So I think the best thing that you can do if you are an athlete is just make sure, like vet these people out, of course, you want to give people a chance, but also just be aware of the situation that you're walking into and do your research um, and look, you know, into how do you align with this person? Do your values align? Do you like their character? You know, are they someone you want to, you, you and your family are going to go have dinner with? So hopefully, you know, people start to continue to see the value in having the right people. Because I do think sometimes when huge decisions come up or things go wrong or even go right, you need to have that core circle of people around you, but also keep it tight, keep it small, make sure that it's the right people. No, that's important. You know, you know, before you become the teacher, you must be, be, be a student. And then that's the Rich Paul method. Yeah. And uh, I really like, you know, you got to be able to, you don't have to like necessarily be best friends with the person, but you got to be able to be cordial and have a good relationship. There's plenty of times agents fire managers and agents, but there's plenty of times agents and managers fire um, athletes. Um, just because of that relationship. So I want to talk about, you know, you spoke about the Rich Paul method, and I feel like you kind of did that on your own as well. What was it like, describe getting your first client, because it's tough to break into the athlete circle. You have to like prove it, you have to show yourself, you got to do stuff for free sometimes. And then they, they decide to like take your work and go somewhere else. So describe getting your first client, because I think it's important that it's not easy. Yeah, I'm laughing because you're bringing up so many memories and I actually <laughs> recorded an IGTV video right before this that I've got to put up that touches on this <laughs> because so for me, when I first got started, I reached out to all my friends from college who were playing in the league, NBA and NFL. One of them agreed to introduce me to his agent because that guy was based in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And so I met with this guy, no joke. I just reached out. I was like, here's who I am. Um, you know, so-and-so is my friend. Da -da. Like, he gave me your contact info. And because of that, he was like, great. Like, let's grab coffee. So we grabbed coffee. I was like, here's who I am. Here's what I'm trying to do. You know, what do you think? We talked. He's like, yeah, you know, like, you know, I'm willing to see what I can do to help you. But 
I can't really just like hand over a client. So I'm like, I didn't expect that. Just want to get your insight. Great. About a month went by, I reached out again. Hey, just wanted to say hi. You know, do you want to grab coffee? I did this for months. Okay. <laughs> so I left my corporate job and started my company in January. I didn't get introduced to my first client until it would have been June. And so he finally, I'm telling you after like five meetings, I was like, can you please just give me a shot? Like, please just introduce me to one person. And so he agreed. He set up the meeting. Here's the best thing. He set up the meeting. He's like, oh, by the way, um, I told him that someone was coming who can like potentially help him with the draft, you know, help him um, know what to wear, tell him what to say and, you know, maybe get his coffee and stuff. Uh, I was like, but I didn't hype you up. So this is all on you. So, and I remember I knocked on the door and he answered. Heart tank episode right here. Yes. Right. And he like literally, and I get the door and he opens, he's like, Oh, hi. And I was like, were you not expecting me? He's like, well, I was expecting someone, but I guess he didn't, he wouldn't really give me any details or tell me much about you. He just said someone was coming over who could kind of help me for the draft and, but it was up to me. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. So then we sit down and, um, and we talked for, I think it was like two hours and just, it just chatted about life. I mean, it wasn't any, it was literally just about life. Um, and then he was like, oh, okay. So like, wait, why'd you, like, what are you trying to do again? <laughs> I'm like, okay. So here's what I'm thinking. And he's like, yeah, great. I'd love to have some extra help in New York. So, you know, then fast forward, he's like, yeah, come out to New York for the draft, spend the week out there, help me with all my stuff I need to do, you know, run errands, help me, you know, tell me what to wear. And I left because I spent, by the way, he never paid me for any of this. The agency didn't pay me. I paid my way out to New York, uh, put all of it on credit cards. I bought all of his clothes for the week. So leading up to the draft, every appearance, every interview, every anything that he had, I bought what he was going to wear what? and then styled him because I was like a quote unquote assistant. That's or no, it's a stylist and assistant. That's how I was yeah. breaking into the industry was like an NBA stylist. Um, and the reason was I, I started a small fashion blog prior to that. So people, some people knew me for it okay. this was before blogging was a thing. Um, and so, yeah, so I did that, paid for everything, got his coffee every single morning. Like that was part of my job. Um, but I left because when I was posting about it, of course, I never told people that I spent thousands of dollars and all my own money, you know, to get there. It was always about like, oh, I'm so honored to be at the NBA draft with this client and all these things. So um, it's hard. It's hard to get that first client. And you definitely work a lot for free. Like client number two paid me $100 to dress him for the ESPYs. But I made nothing because I flew myself out to L.A., and bought a ticket to go to the show. So I think who knows how much I ended up spending on that one. Um, it wasn't until my third client ever that I convinced to put me on retainer. And he only paid me $800 a month. I mean, he signed a year long contract. So that was a big deal. Uh -huh. But when you live in Chicago, you can't really get by or live on $800 a month. So I love telling those stories because it's the perception versus reality. Yeah. And it's really hard to break in. And I know like early on, I had friends reaching out like, oh my gosh, you're jet setting across the country and you're working with all these pro athletes. And I'm like, yeah, little do you know, I'm, this is putting me in crazy debt. I have no idea how I'm going to be able to make a living off of this. I was still working at a bar, this like bar slash restaurant on the weekends to just make sure I had enough money to pay my rent. And no one knew but like that's kind of just what you do like you hustle as much as you can and then eventually it gets to the point where it, it cracks but 
my biggest piece of advice, if you're in that position where you're like, how the heck am I going to turn a profit? It took me about three years, uh, close to three years when we started to break even. And then just slowly, you know, after that is when we started to generate some, an actual profit. So just hang in there. No, it's important. And thank you so much for your authenticity and your honesty when it comes to, you know, telling the story. Um, obviously now the whole branding landscape has changed where athletes are like seeking it out where when you started, it's like, uh, I, I could do it myself or it should be free. Like, so it's, it's, it's really interesting that you were able to share that not only for people to realize like it's hard, but it's yeah. actually doable as well. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, you've been in the game for a while. You've seen the transition. Can you talk about the different formats? Like TikTok's popular, YouTube. I know you have a client that you just started a YouTube channel with. Yes, yeah. Can you talk about all these different formats and like what you're excited about? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love YouTube. Video is super hot right now. Video gets the most engagement. Obviously, that's why, you, why TikTok is popping off. Um, it's super important. Gary Vee talks about this a lot. It's super important to lean into what's hot right now. So if you're someone who's like in the mix and you're up on things, get on TikTok. Make sure that you're putting your things out there because right now, um, that's where the, all the buzz is. Um, but for me, I also, I love to focus on the ways that we can monetize and, um, you know, kind of humanization plays into all of that. So for me, I love YouTube. When we launched Terrell owns his YouTube channel, it was, it was just a huge accomplishment, not just for the sake of the business purpose of starting a channel where money could be made. But for me, the goal was also, I want to show people the real T.O. You know, I know him post-career, post-drama, post all those things of what people, you know, what the media likes to say. And so I was like, look, this is your opportunity to show people who you really are. Do it through authentic video. And then the fact that you then layer on top of that, that you can turn it into a business move and you can actually monetize your channel now you're really talking. Um, I'm a huge fan of Instagram. That's where I post a lot of my own things. Um, with Instagram, I think it's important because there's a lot of digital campaigns. Obviously with IGTV, with stories, companies are starting to catch on to stories. So maybe a company can't afford you to get a post on your feed, mm -hmm. but maybe it's worth it to charge you know, a lower amount just to have it go up on your stories because it's only going to be there for 24 hours. Uh, Twitter, the biggest thing to lean into if you're into Twitter is that it's real time. So I tell people all the time, if you don't have the time to go on and talk to people, it's not as valuable, you know, because Twitter people want to know, Oh, they sent a tweet. Oh, now we can go back and forth. Oh, now it's trending. You know? So that's where it's sometimes a good way to keep up with news and what's going on. That's where I love when athletes will do Q and a on Twitter because it's yeah. real time and they're going back and forth, but keep in mind, you don't have to be on everything. So like, if That's you try important. to be, yeah, if you try to be everything for everyone, you will become nothing to no one. Like jack of all trades, master of none. So unless you have a full blown social media team behind you, which is absolutely possible, but unless you have that, don't feel the need to be on everything. Lean into where you feel most connected to the people who are following you and focus on adding as much value. Because the biggest thing with social is that people don't come to your channel because they care about you. They actually care about what you can do for them. So mm -hmm. are you going to inspire them? Are you going to add value? Are you going to tell them what to eat? Are you going to tell them how to work out? Like whatever it is, just remember, it's not about you. It's literally about what you can do for them. No, I think that's, that's, 
that's clutch because everyone knows Gary V and he's like, post here, post there, post this way. It's like some people don't have the team. So focus where your niche is, focus where you have, provide the most value for your consumers, for your audience. Because like you said, the audience is there for them. They want to find something that they can relate to you with. They want to find something that they take a take and apply it to their own lives. Um, but I also want to talk about the fact that you and Terrell Owens are starting the YouTube channel mm -hmm. in his post career. I think that's really cool to see because there's always a time, there's always a place. A lot of people say, um, you know, once you're done playing, it's all over. So can you talk about the dynamic of how you were able to convince him and like kind of push that, push that agenda along? Yeah, for sure. So I think, you know, as it relates to him, the biggest thing was that, uh, you know, I was able and fortunate enough to fly out to San Francisco, sit down with the influencer team at YouTube. So that gave me a little added credibility <laughs> when, I, when I presented the business opportunity to him. Um, we'd been talking about it for a little bit leading up to me going out to San Francisco and I let him know I'm going to be doing this. But that was part of it was I was like, look, we've got these people behind us who are the experts on the platform. So we're not going to be doing this blindly. Yeah. So that was one of the biggest things to help them get behind. So if you're looking to launch or you're a manager, or you work with athletes, reach out, find a YouTube rep that you can connect with because there is an influencer team that will help you grow because the more influencers on YouTube, the more views on YouTube, the more ads that they can sell. So it all, it all plays into that. But the other thing was I told him, I'm like, look, a lot of people know you for the wrong things. And I only know you post-career, so I want to help you tell the authentic story. And he was able to get behind that because he'll tell you all the time. You know, people misunderstand him or people, you know, have like the wrong views. And he's one of those people, he doesn't care what other people think of him. And I'm like, great, this is the perfect opportunity to then just show them the real T.O., so I think when you go on to retire, and the other thing is too, like with him, while he was playing and shortly after, he was able to build a great brand, which then transitioned. But it's not completely over just because you then move on. Like what happens is a lot of athletes who retire get stuck like those first three years. They don't know what they want to do. And maybe they try everything and it's like trial and error. And then by the time you find something, you've been out of the game so long that now you're, you're borderline like worried about becoming irrelevant. So this is where it's really important to set yourself up. I always say set yourself up as much as you can while you're playing, but then figure out how to get the right team around you as you start to transition so that you have things already in place. Maybe you love to talk. So maybe it's a podcast. Maybe it's figuring out like if you want to transition to go into broadcasting, you should go through the broadcasting boot camp that the different leagues offer prior exactly. to retire, you know? So figure out what it is, um, but then realize that people are intrigued by you. I get a lot of times, especially retired athletes who are like, well, who am I? Like, yes, maybe I won, you know, a couple championships or a couple gold medals, but like, what do I have to add? And I'm like, holy cow. You know, I'm like, you'd be so surprised. You're so inspiring, but you know, just understand that because you did that, you do have a story to tell probably have endless connections and you should be, you should figure out how to leverage the fact that people will respond to your phone call or email by telling them who you are. And even if you need to show them, you know, where you played, what you did. So leverage that to the best of your ability. Uh, thank you so much. Um, you shared with us a lot of gems. Um, but before we let you go, can you please, you know, give the audience, you know, one takeaway, like a lasting impression that you would like to share with 
we'd have, we're going to have all your information in the show notes. Uh, you have your own podcast. You have your website, your own channel. Um, but like one, one piece of advice for, you know, any athlete or anyone else listening. Yeah, the biggest thing is just remember that you, you don't build a brand. So you are your brand. So your biggest piece of advice, and for me, in my career, the minute that I took off, like, yes, it was the years of hard work and all those things. But the minute that my career really took off was when I actually took the time to go through my own little brand strategy and understand who I was as a person and force myself to outline missions, values, ethics, all the things that made up me, everything changed from there. So just remember, you don't, don't try to build a brand, dig deep into who you are and allow that to just come to life. You can't go wrong with that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time and I uh, will definitely be in touch soon. Thank you for tuning into this podcast episode. For more information, check out the show notes and go to our website, www.afrugalathlete.com. If you enjoyed, please leave a favorable rating and review and share and subscribe. Thank you so much.